0: Hi, I'm Annie A.K. And I'm Melissa. And together we want to welcome you to Still Great Bob. If this is your first time joining us, together we are watching AMC's Mad Men, trying to answer the question, is it Still Great Bob? This week we're discussing Season 2, Episode 9, Six-Month Leave, written by Andre Jackman, Maria Jackman, and Matthew Weiner, directed by Michael Uppendahl. This episode originally aired on AMC on September twenty-eighth, two
1: 2008. All right. This weekend at the box office, opening number one was the movie Eagle Eye, starring Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan. Knights O in Rodanthe, is that how you pronounce that? I think Rodanth. Knights in Rodanth, starring Richard Gere and Diane Lane, opened number two, and Lakeview Terrace with Samuel L. Jackson fell from number one to number three. You'll notice we skipped a week in the box office between now and our last episode. I'm not sure why there was no new Mad Men on September 21st. Hit songs this week. We have a new one as far as the digital singles go, which is the chart that I've been using. Pink's So What? ruled the Downloads was number one
2: this week on Mad Men. peggy and pete react differently to a situation with freddie don and roger face tests of loyalty and betty is exerting influence where she feels like she can
1: so when i was kind of outlining the notes as as you can both see in front of you and listener you can't but you're about to hear um wanted to start with kind of like a little kind of mini segment tidbit section on some of the marilyn monroe stuff because i think it gives us some so kind of insights into a couple of well, several of the characters as they, they kind of respond to it and the whole the idea of public grieving as well because we talked a little bit last season. It's led up kind of to the the 1960 election that Mad Men when it kind of references these these cultural touchstones and and things like that. It generally does a, a pretty good job of reflecting a reality. So I just want to start. I'll kind of quote the episode. A little bit verbatim here, and I took this segment from the Mad Men wiki, so thank you, Mad Men wiki um, folks, for, for writing this together. Not you, too, Roger says, after spotting Joan lying on his couch, mourning Marilyn Monroe, saying the world destroyed her. Joan saying the world destroyed her. To Roger, Marilyn was a movie star who had everything and threw it away. Joan warns Roger that one day he'll lose someone who's important to him. And it'll be very painful. So I just wanted to ask both of you, I guess, to kick us off here. What did we think about these kind of two examples of two extremes of what it is for public grief over a, a public persona, a person? And then what we thought about the episode's kind of Marilyn touch point as a whole?
2: Well, I think that this really, I mean, Joan hits it on the head when she says, you know, there were many there are many women who felt like they knew her. And I think Joan especially, like, I think that Roger had a good read on Joan when he, you know, grabs her arm before she leaves and says, you're not her. And obviously she's not, but, you know, you can easily see where Joan would have compared herself to Marilyn and maybe thought, like, that they were similar in certain aspects, both mm-hmm. being... Um, Successful career ladies, albeit that their careers uh, were different, but you can see where that comes from. Um, But I think that we've all mourned our fair share of celebrity deaths, so we, too, uh, know what it feels like to feel like we know these people even when we don't. I mean, even more so now with, like, Instagram Live and Twitter and everything like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think especially in that time period, we tend to, we, we as the public tended to idealize them. And they were like this, what we could have been. And they, they were like the dream, you know. And when something stark like this happens, when someone doesn't seem to be as happy and have everything that they thought that we, or that we thought that they did. As Roger so kindly pointed out, she had everything And it turns out it's it's still not enough. It's you know, it's it's so sad and and like you become disillusioned about the whole thing, I guess. I don't know. And some people are so good at not faking it, but creating this vibe of intimacy with them and like you said Melissa especially with the social media uh, nowadays you you almost do feel like you know them and you empathize with them and you see the things that they're going through and her relationships were so public so you felt like you were like girl we're with you in this or you know the other end cuz some people are actually terrible
2: and then like i think that many things in this episode but this is where it started is just solidifies roger as like the worst person maybe like i think that he has the least redeemable qualities (laughs) of all the people that we talk about being the worst you know they take their turns on this podcast but i was really frustrated by roger like acting as if jones grief over marilyn made her morally inferior to him even though he says himself like for one he prides himself on grieving Roosevelt even though he didn't like the guy but I felt like I knew him like I just don't I mean I get why but it's frustrating to see that it's okay for him a man Mm -hmm. to mourn over a public male figure because he was super serious and it's frivolous for Joan to mourn over a public figure in which she saw herself
0: yeah it's very um it's very dismissive. I was just listening to uh, an episode of Hot and Bother. They were talking about Twilight and how <laughs> how Edward um, and, and uh, Bella's dad were like laughing at how she doesn't like baseball. And they're like, well, you know what? Baseball is just as stupid as everything else that we love. We love stupid stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not important or matter to us. It's all pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. And like, just because you think the president is more important, you know, the president sure has done, uh, like important things, sure. But like, that doesn't make anything else like stupid and inferior, or less important to someone if it actually meant something. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. Roger is like the kind of is the kind of dude I dislike the most.
2: And he just continuously proves that like he never really knew Joan that well which I think mm. is interesting.
0: I love that she kind of calls him out on it and she's just like, "Yes, I'm just another frivolous secretary." And she doesn't apologize for it. She's just like, "Nope, I've grieved in quiet and in, in silence. I wasn't putting it, you know, showing it off like everyone else mm-hmm. even. I didn't expect you. I didn't expect any witnesses to my grief." But she it mattered to her. And he's sort of terrible about it.
2: One of the frivolous secretaries, and I, maybe Hildy, maybe it was a different one, says, Oh, I never took pills, not even when I have a headache. And every time I watch the episode, I'm like, All right, do you want a fucking medal? Like, who cares?
0: <laughs> it is a little bit, it does remind me a little bit of that scene in The Good Place when Eleanor's awful Arizona friends are like, No, I was in upstate New York a week before now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I know this matters to you right now, but at the same time, I am trying not to judge you, which probably makes me as bad as Roger.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'm thinking of examples of times in my life when I have done something that I am now shitting <laughs> on on this podcast. So, like, anybody listening who has heard me do any of those things, there you go. Proof yeah. I'm a hypocrite.
0: <laughs> 100% a hypocrite. have definitely been a hypocrite about that. Yeah. Uh, it is... um. It is weird how we care about these sort of things.
1: And I think too, just a a quote that I found when I was kind of falling into an internet click hole when I was kind of preparing the notes is is from Marilyn Monroe in an interview in, in Life magazine from from nineteen sixty two. I didn't follow the clicks deep enough to uh know when in nineteen sixty two this this uh interview was published, but obviously we're in nineteen sixty two now and that was that was the year that um Monroe passed but here's here's the quote quote I never understood it this sex symbol I always thought symbols were things you clash together that's the trouble Mm -hmm. a sex symbol is a thing I just hate to be a thing but if I'm going to be a symbol of something I'd rather have it be sex than some other things they've got symbols of and I think Marilyn Monroe is is just endlessly fascinating, and 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 not that this podcast needs <laughs> our help, but um, you must remember this did did a three episode. They've done kind of touched on Marilyn a lot, but three specific episodes on Marilyn's biography as part of their their Dead Blondes um series from a couple years ago, and it's it's well worth a listen.
0: There was, a, I I think I've heard this story before in a different form, but I think it was when Michelle Williams was playing Marilyn Monroe um in a film a few years ago when she was telling the story of marilyn being at a um, she was doing an interview and they were in a very public place maybe like a subway or something or like outdoor patio in a restaurant and the interviewer was completely blown away that people are like not noticing her they were just walking past her and he's like there's this you know big one of the biggest stars ever this complete and like stunning beauty who's just here you know out for everyone to see you know, and no one was noticing her and she's just like hey do you want to see a cool trick basically and something in her switches and suddenly the 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 star is turned back on and everyone's like turning their heads going like oh my god it's Marilyn Monroe and she just had this control over her image and understanding and I think that's definitely something that Joan probably probably relates to, and then at the same time she was this image of perfection that, you know, on the outside. And I think that's I think that's something we definitely see at least for the women in the show. Betty certainly, one of them. She is one of our our our, our little our blonde bombshell, really. Yeah. Less so, though, at the beginning of this episode.
2: Well, and th- thinking about that, like, I love seeing Betty, like, just putzing about her house and getting her projects done without being in her full housewifery uniform. And I, I know that it's a sign that she is going through a hard time and is, you know, some mm. depression and is, like, having having a having I mean, a moment i i know that but still i'm like doesn't it feel good to just throw your hair in a pony while you're <laughs> all the shit in the kitchen like come on
0: no for sure and i mean i was a little jealous of her house coat where she just wears whatever under and her sleeping in a little sometimes you just have to let go to figure out what's important to you like how important was her perfect hair to her anyways or was it just for dawn and being the perfect housewife
2: well, right. I hope maybe she'll learn some lessons and comfort from this. And I maybe she is comfortable in all her things. I don't know. We, yeah. We don't ask really... about that on the show, but um <laughs> Yeah.
1: Do you want me to text her and ask? Yes, yes I would please. love that,
2: please. Thank you. Oh, I was thinking about like, oh Betty, you're such an example of just all of us during quarantine. She's doing her projects but she's also drinking the whole time and then she's taking like midday naps.
0: <laughs> she's letting letting the kids play around. Sure, make some cookies. Oh.
2: Yeah, like Carla gives her the advice. You know, I liked that whole exchange where Carla says, you know, I've been married for 20 years. Betty kind of snaps at her, but then like immediately apologizes. Mm. And Carla says, uh, splash cold water on your face and go outside. You'll notice things are right where you left them. And that's good advice for Betty, but it's also very good advice for all of us at home.
0: <laughs> oh, That was a good moment because that was Betty what trying to – break into, into Don's Dawn apparently impenetrable desk. Yeah. But, uh and I, I, it was just a little tiny acting moment. I don't know if it was written in a script this way or if it was a January Jones choice. But um when she's apologizing to Carla, she's like, I haven't been seep- sleeping well. And, you know, I love that. That was such a, just a small little moment.
2: Yeah, it's nice that it just seems like someone was just like genuinely checking up on her and it wasn't... Ri- like, Carla knows what's going on. She's in the house all day, every day. They, I'm sure that they don't talk about all the details, but, like, Carla knows. And she's probably the only person other than Dawn who knows.
0: hmm Well, we talked about it last time, I think, when, uh, right before Betty confronted Dawn, and she made Carla leave yeah. yeah she made Carla leave but Carla's also like I mean I can soak these dishes because what I'm the one who's gonna have to clean them later but also like yeah, I had big feelings
2: you need about those dishes. Some,
0: <laughs> do you need some rest I can clean up it's like no 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 no. you go home rest we had a we had a busy and successful day together kind of thing like a, yeah. a camaraderie even though you know employee employer situation but she gets awfully dolled up for the uh to to hit the stables though
1: Remind me again the order in the episode. So, Sarah Beth comes over to to borrow a dress, and Betty then cancels on their plans. Mentions the lunch, and then mm-hmm. then we see Arthur, aka not young James Spader, but looks like young James Spader at the at the stables. Right. So like mm-hmm. so, yeah. Betty had been reminded of the lunch date with Sarah Beth before she sees Arthur. Right. Yeah. Yes. Not
2: only that, but. Her and Sarah Sarah Beth, is that her name? I Mm -hmm.
1: believe so,
2: yeah. Her and Sarah Beth's conversation, Sarah Beth talks about, like, oh, I'm invisible. Just, like, she's just, her diagnosis from her, like, therapist that she saw is that she's bored. And so I feel like Betty hatched this plan, like, oh, I can help my friend and also get out of this lunch so I can go home to my wine and my pajamas.
0: It's very manipulative and it came weirdly easily to her in the moment.
2: And it's like so nice. Like it's maybe not nice to blow off your friend, but like she sent a cute boy in her place. I mean And also
0: set up two people to cheat on their spouses.
2: I, that's why i said I mean, it's, the, it's like nice for her it's nice to her friend it's maybe not nice in like the grand scheme of things true but like maybe they're not really gonna cheat but like people like attention
0: yeah <laughs> there was definitely a flirty vibe between the two of them and i mean it's not like arthur didn't come on to betty first oh yeah and sarah beth didn't seem like she was up for breaking some rules
2: well, and when she skipped the lunch, she was, like, baking with the kids. She takes the phone off the hook. I'm yeah. like, Betty, you are a self-care, social distance queen.
1: <laughs> That's a pretty boss. Not move. answering
2: calls, not going to She did it lunches, so casually. Having cookies for lunch.
1: Why do you think – why do we think – why do each of you think, I guess, Betty – Invited Arthur, and then obviously deliberately, no show she didn't forget she took the the phone off the hook is it is it truly trying to do them both a solid is like where do what do we think kind of Betty's head is at specifically can you can we we talk about that a bit more? I don't
0: know I just think she i mean maybe one she also wants it so a bit of chaos that's like the kind that has been brought into her life, but it I think she's just smart enough to recognize that. These two people who would be interested in them, especially Sarah Beth, um, people who would ask questions, would be good distractions for each other without realizing that's what was happening. Melissa, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I took it that, like, she. I just assumed that, like, it brought her a little joy, like Annie said, to sow some chaos, to create a little mischief. Um, but also that she's having such a hard time and it seems like her friend is having a hard time, you know, with certain things, too. And I just think that she saw like an opportunity to, you know, not only pull a little scheme, but also like give her friends like some emotional support. Like it's not really emotional support, but it's like. Here's a friend for you, cute boy, to look at and flirt with, and I am going to go home and just not be dealing with this.
0: <laughs> it is kind of like her being like, I am not emotionally equipped to handle your stuff right now, so I will make sure you're taken care of yeah, so I can peace yeah. out and deal with my shit. <laughs> or not yeah. deal with my shit, you know. I think this, do you think we're going to find Betty re- recognizing how capable? And self-sufficient she actually is after I
2: really hope so. And, like, I kind of wonder if she just recognized that, like, if I spend any time with people who know me, they're going to know that something's wrong. And, like, I'm, you know, maybe Betty was thinking, like, I don't want to give myself the opportunity to, like, open my mouth and talk about what's going on until... I like figured out myself. I think that like maybe that's giving her like a little too much credit. I assume she just didn't want to deal with it, so she figured out how she didn't have to, with like making the least amount of problems for herself. Um Right. But also like maybe she's just like buying herself some time.
1: Yeah, I I, I without hopefully stepping too far into like spoiler Matt remembers the thing territory. Um, I think it's about exerting control. I I think you're you're a hundred percent on the right track Melissa where it's like again not wanting to necessarily like reveal her you know that her and Don are separated right now or like letting people in or maybe maybe it's control and that the hey I know that Sarah Beth has a crush on Arthur I know Arthur is open to having a crush she was crushing on me I'm not you know don't want that, not in the headspace for that right now, whatever. So I'll put these people together because I know these people like I know Don, despite Don saying I he doesn't know me and, like, you know, gaslighting me and, and like, all of that other stuff. I definitely think there's somehow an element of Betty exercising some form of, of control or seeking that out in this situation, and I just don't think we know yet how or, or why specifically what her... Intent was in that choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking
0: forward to it for one. Do you remember? No, I genuinely don't. It's amazing. Like, honestly, how much I've forgotten from the show should be concerning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll find out soon enough. <laughs> yes.
1: There you go. All right. So, Peggy, Pete, and Freddie. Oh.
0: I did have a slight concern. This is just being a neuro nurse. Once upon I a time. I was not ready for this. I like, was slightly Rudy concerned. acted
2: super weird before. And so you yeah. used to, like maybe not. But that like when he played his zipper song, I'm like, oh, so you were shit faced. Yeah. Yeah. OK. It's it's like I don't think they make that super clear. But then also that's why I think that this is like a little shocking. Like, oh, you actually can get too drunk in advertising. okay
0: um it's sort of impressive how good they are at like laying the groundwork for certain storylines and moments in the show ahead of time to the point where you don't even recognize it or maybe if you're melissa you start recognizing it but you think nah
2: that's Uh, not gonna happen how many things has that happened about so far Uh, most most notably i think dick whitman
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's unusual and weird, but it's probably nothing.
2: Oh, oh man. sweet summer child. It's Me. honestly
0: one of my favorite <laughs> things in the world.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, so this Friday thing happens. Sal laughs his ass off. And I'm like, like oh,
0: really? I hated that so much. I hated I it until he recognized, oh, uh, shit, this is bad.
1: Well, and the whole, like, structure of that, even, like, as it relates to Sal specifically, like, I, I agree that, like, Sal's oh. reaction is really uncomfortable, but it's just, like, he, he gets the drink, he's like, okay, whatever, it's it's early, and Freddy hands him the drink, and it's well, like... Well,
2: because he says he wants a little drink, yeah, and it it's is a like, like, fucking full <laughs> <bull> ass <laughs> cup. It's yeah. a drink that would never exist, even under normal circumstances.
1: And Sal just kind of like, oh, okay, thank you, and then, yeah, no, it's it It turned very quickly, thing yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah,
1: it's one of those things
0: where like the, the like being kind of stupid that I could see like laughing over, but I feel like the pissing yourself is one of those things where you're like, maybe this is too far, and I shouldn't laugh at this,
2: I would I think have like the peggy response in this moment, which would be to like. Treat the situation with as much dignity as possible because mm-hmm. that is the type of embarrassment that like can become violent, I think. A
0: hundred percent. Like right. I would not
2: want someone to feel like the level of shame I think that we universally agree is appropriate when you pee your pants, not only in public, but at work. Ugh. Right. But she's like, I do you have extra pants? <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a very dignif- uh, diplomatic way of putting it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <sighs> I thought he was dead for a second, too, though. I
0: was so worried, because in my and head I'm like, is, like he, is he dead. literally like, having a stroke oh right now?
2: That would be I mean, uh, I wouldn't.
0: It's <laughs> only episode three. Any, nine. Can't put anything three?
2: past Mad Men now.
0: What episode is this? Nine.
2: Nine.
0: Nine. Oh, uh, I guess we're near a big episode number. <laughs> uh Four more to go. I hate it because I've seen this happen once or twice, this kind of thing happen in healthcare. And Pete's like, that's disgusting. And Peggy has to be like, there is no need for that. And just having to be like, we're going to take care of this shit. <laughs> mm hmm. We're not gonna say anything to make him feel bad about it now even though he can't remember because he's passed out blacked out drunk yeah.
1: what about the like to put you to a little bit further on the spot if if you're willing Um what do you think about like Pete's kind of handling of the situation after and then kind of reporting to his, his boss duck about like what happened Um is that something I don't know because I like in asking you both the question, I asked myself the question, and I don't, I agree I would try to be as as much, like, piggy and kind of graceful and and, and professional and, and, you know, just handle it in a very similar way in the moment. But I don't know what I would do kind of after the fact. You know what I mean? Well, like, just
2: the way that, like, my work, like, hierarchy is set up. Um, I'm in, like, a very, like, keep it in the family situation at work because I work um, for a team that operates basically separately from the rest of our corporate structure. So I can see Peggy's point of, like, yeah, we can tell Don because Don is, like, our you know that's later right.
1: she wants to tell don and pete says she no. wants to tell right, don and pete, right.
2: right and then pete goes to duck i think because pete knows that he has a better repertoire with duck i this whole thing was pete thinking to himself if freddie is gone that's more copywriting work for the rest of us because pete is a fucking rat
0: yeah that's i think the
2: literal and metaphorical
0: <laughs> that's the a- <laughs> biggest thing because like the way some things are set up and the way like dynamics are maybe you don't necessarily feel like you can go directly to a person um and address something and i mean it's different for me because like safety is so important um, sure in, yeah. in my workplace but obviously the livelihoods of everyone working in this office are dependent on on accounts and things but Pete well, definitely is not doing it. like
2: the reputation of freddie
0: yeah pete is not doing it for freddie or for the company pete is doing it for pete yeah absolutely and that's like that tarnishes everything that he does
2: well and then pete's line about freddie saying like oh well he did it to himself
0: Mm. um people like him will blame society
2: yeah well and that those are those lines are the thing that like gave me the most um like sent me on like the furthest thought track if you will Because when Freddie says, later in the episode, he says, um, you know, you just get dealt the hands you get dealt. And the first time I watched this episode, I thought, well, I mean, not really. Like... That's true. But also, that's not this situation because you got drunk at work and you couldn't keep your shit together. And so therefore, this is literally all on you. And I really do believe that. But hearing Pete say he did it to himself, people like that always blame society, you know, basically pulling like a those people or like a you people. I was like, okay, Melissa, let's think before we judge. <laughs> Um, I don't feel too bad about my judgment because Freddie Rumson is a successful white man, and so he basically really doesn't have anything to blame on anything but himself at this point in his life. Um... But like Pete making a full judgment on "quote unquote" like those people, and that that's like too far, and that's part of what I don't like about Pete. Like he's he would never be the type of person to look into the nuances of a situation, or and especially not of his own opinions, and like making a negative moral judgment on all people who would blame society on their problems. Like this is something we hear directed at very specific communities, and communities that probably do have society to blame Mm -hmm. uh and i i don't want pete making a judgment on those people and i don't want myself to be doing it either um so i don't like pete's verbiage it made me be very introspective and for that i'm thankful but the ultimate judgment is like i think that freddie rumson probably did do this to (laughs) himself
0: He probably did. I'm, but I <laughs> yeah. mean, it falls into the whole same thing with I Roger, mean, right? Addiction is a disease, though, right?
2: Addiction is a disease. I, it's, it's, it's complicated, but uh,
0: there's certainly some accountability in in caring for your own mm-hmm. shit.
2: Because he got to this place somehow. I mean, he didn't have the toughest path because he is a white man, but. There's some reason that he got this job and he's been successful in this job for so long. And I don't think that he has been drinking like this the whole entire time or he wouldn't have made it this far. So at some point when he was already successful, he decided to like loosen the reins and let himself take it too far. And like, yes, addiction is a disease, but he also doesn't take any accountability for it mm-hmm. and i think that if you are suffering from addiction one of the things is doing that so that you can get better
0: yeah yeah we're certainly not absolving Freddie for for what he's done because if he's you know if he looked like the elevator operator for example the elevator operator who replaced the previous elevator operator who was fired along with the janitor uh yeah. when they're if and i'm not mistaken blame for something they didn't do or for something incredibly trivial <laughs> one of the two i like, but
2: I kind of am on Don's side like this didn't happen in a meeting and maybe this is like the first time something this extreme has happened so I don't think that I would be like directly onto like the firing Freddy train either yeah
0: the like hey buddy
2: <laughs> maybe we should
0: talk stuff
1: and I, first and I, and I think to the point of like privilege as well the idea that like like they're sensibly firing like they are firing him and they they dress it up in this idea of of a titular six month leave and basically give him a severance and you know he like they know they're not hiring him back and Freddie knows that too right so I I think you're both exactly right that if that had been someone else he just would have been gone or maybe like like the secretary that roger mentions where someone threw the hell her stuff out the window and that was apparently the oh femoral. roger um, you
2: absolute trash well we can
1: get into to roger and don a bit <laughs> here too it's just i found duck's reaction to the whole situation interesting and like there there's a lot of response the response at sterling cooper i found kind of lacked compassion and empathy but hey Mm. that's that Mm -hmm. that 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 company right that's kind of like the whole show Um, he had
2: a heart attack having sex on the floor of that office building
1: oh roger yeah but no i was talking about like like because we know it has been heavily implied i think it's say that it's sexual that like duck has had an alcohol problem as well and so like yeah he's someone you would expect or, or would hope would be you know the First person that maybe you know, when Don's doing his whole loyalty thing, um, that Duck would have been then you know, let's be compassionate and take, take a uh-huh. different approach. But I think it's informed Duck's not the opposite of that from based on his own kind of experience and his own you know stuff he's he's working through and and, and struggling with. So I thought that kind of was something that stood out to me in that as well. Um, yeah, I guess no. Before- Go ahead.
0: Sorry. I was going to say certainly that does kind of remind me of people who have, for example, people of color, even people I'm related to or or just know very well who, for example, voted for Trump, even though that they were immigrants themselves. And it's that same idea of like, well, I was able to get my shit together and do it the quote, quote, right way. Why can't they mm-hmm. kind of thing? That's It's the compassion thing you're listening to or that you're alluding to. And again, it's not we're certainly not absolving Freddy, although we feel bad for him, but it also does just because he did a bad thing doesn't mean Pete did a good thing
2: no Pete definitely did okay.
0: these are two very separate
1: things that just happened to be terrible to so have an intersection and I guess then before we kind of move on and and dive into kind of like the Don and and Roger and then circle back to the the Betty stuff a little bit um. Pete's being careerist. He sees this as an opportunity. I think we're all in agreement there. And then s- seeks to let th- them benefit him. This also benefits Peggy, and Pete's pretty explicit about that, even being so bold to give her the old, you know, tap on the shoulder and let me be the first to congratulate you, right? Now uh. Peggy has a promotion. Um, Where are we at with Peggy and her, that idea of kind of like, climbing the ladder in the same way that we see Pete's always been opportunistic and, and looking for those those choices and Peggy seems to be going places, but how is it just happening to her? Is she what is she is she seeking it out? Is it something kind of in between where her, her merit is being recognized and, you know, she is influencing her whole career trajectory in, in more kind of like subtle, less, you know, Dickish ways that compared to Pete. What what do you both think about that?
0: I definitely do think that the more Machiavellian sort of attitude in um climbing the ladder and being successful is not in her nature, just her very reaction to one when Don tells her that she's getting all of Freddie's accounts and everything, um, and taking on his work. She's not saying no to it, certainly because right. um, I think she knows part of her does actually deserve it and has earned it through merit, through hard work and persistence well, and, and everything. Well, she
2: didn't trick anyone. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't put anything into motion to get Freddie out of the way. Like, yeah. that is something that happened separately, and she is just having a moment where she's doing a really great job and is being recognized for that. Um, like, it, it's different when you look at Pete and the joy he takes in Seizing the opportunity to get Freddy out of the way so that he can move up. Mm.
0: It's not like he's actually really fully proven himself up to that point. Anyways, Peggy is just she's just kept doing good work. There was a time period, though, where we saw her not be malicious or anything, but just like trying to transform herself into this like cold business Mm -hmm. person who like takes no prisoners Um, well not even that really but she's just very like look it's just me I'm just going to do my job I'm not going to like bring any nuance or art into anything that I do but you know she even tells Dawn she's like I don't like how this happened Um, and Dawn didn't seem too happy about the circumstances anyways but they're like well this is where we are we're going to take it Um, Dawn didn't
1: like being feeling like ambushed by by uh, Pete and Duck Yeah.
2: He said, I'm usually at the meeting before the meeting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: that wasn't he didn't like that situation, Peggy didn't like that situation. And just like that venomous look she gives Pete when he's just like, let me be the first to congratulate you. Oh,
2: um, yeah, because he touches her. Get the fuck off. Ugh.
0: And <laughs> even Hildy. <laughs> Hildy is, I don't know what Hildy does, but she cracks me up and she's just like, you to- wait. You told about Freddie. She even she was appalled that he was the one that like spilled the beans. I'm like Kale, do you just go away. But also, <laughs> never change. Yeah. So,
1: and I think. Sorry, I, I didn't put it in the notes. I'm going to go off script here a bit, but I have another kind of question. I'm I'm curious about what your thoughts on. I thought it was interesting that we didn't see the pitch that Peggy extensively went in and, and saved that they did kind of without Freddie, that then the account really liked her now, you know, was was ammo and, and proof of her, her merit for her to get the promotion. Mm-hmm. Do we feel like we should have seen that pitch? Or did we, like, not seeing it and then seeing everything else kind of surround around it?
0: Uh, honestly, by this time, I'm like, I've seen enough pitches. I'm good. Fair. I... I don't know how much it would have necessarily added. I, I'm curious, certainly.
1: It seems
2: like we only see the pitches when something in the pitch correlates to what's going on, Mm -hmm. uh, character-wise. And so, like, it wasn't the contents of the pitch that mattered. It was the things surrounding the fact of the pitch itself that mattered. Um, so from that perspective, it didn't bother me. But I am thinking about how many men we've seen do advertising pitches and how
0: <laughs> we
2: didn't see Peggy.
0: We've seen a couple from Peggy, but not necess- not always directly or not like it's not like her that her were like thing. prepared and she yeah. was like,
2: everyone was talking about how successful it was, you know. So that felt like maybe a little something now that you're asking about it. But then again, like, am I going to be able to judge whether or not uh, like a – advertisement written for a tv show is a knockout i mean no yeah so it's only this context around it that matters
0: i was wonder about that when writers have to write a part when they're like like they're you know they're writing a character who's a poet and this poet has to write this amazing poem and then like oh we have to hear the poem now i have to write an amazing poem for this character <laughs> on top of <laughs> having to write everything and then i have to write people saying that's amazing that's got to be awful um it just i think it just would have been a distraction honestly because then we would have been thinking about peggy and not about like because i mean we know she's capable it's great it's fine i'd love to have seen a pitch but i don't know what it would have really added when it's not the focus of the story all right oh before though i did want to point out the part where dan where because you know peggy still kind of matches getting promotion based on someone else's downfall. Um, but Don basically points out that, I mean, it's not like she doesn't deserve a promotion anyways, Mm -hmm. quote unquote promotion. And he tells her, don't feel bad about being good at your job. And he went, hi, Hi. this is something a lot of women need to hear because too many women are so apologetic about being successful, even in small ways. I personally am not very good at accepting a compliment.
2: (laughs) Um... Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah,
0: and another thing I wanted to point out. Hold on, I gotta find it in my own personal notes. Um, as sympathetic as I felt for Freddie when he he's apologizing to Peggy, uh, the Aww. next day, and she just like, oh, it's fine, it's totally cool, everything went according to plan and she gives her him this like big almost like girlish like child smile up at him and he walks away and suddenly the smile is like gone face is completely stony and i'm just like oh my God. like that was an awful thing that you just went through and that you put your coworkers through and now she's like coddling your feeling and feelings yeah. and egos to protect it and like that's such a thing that women do especially to men uh-huh. And it, it was super like that's basically like eighty percent of my job. But yeah, not a fan.
2: I it was nice that he said like, "Oh, I was thinking about letting you talk anyway." Like, I I thought thinking. a lot of times during this episode that like, yes, Freddie has made some mistakes and some odd choices. Um, thinking about the zipper song, but it
1: was Mozart.
2: Sure. Um, (laughs) I just think that he seems to be, like, a genuinely good dude. Yeah. And, like, even Don was, like, seemed very pleased that Freddie said, like, oh, you're so talented. And, like, Don hates himself. So Mm -hmm. normally I don't think Don is really ripe for being like, oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me. But, like, you could just, like, kind of see on his face. I felt like that, like, Don actually really cared that Freddie said that. And I thought that was really sweet. And I think that just, like, Freddie – I think that life in a slower city will be, will be good for old Fred.
0: Yeah. So a lot of stuff happened with Don, but I want to ask you guys, because we've seen Don – display his loyalty to many things and many people like the company. Why do you think he's so loyal to Freddie? Because his like whole sense of integrity is so weird and inconsistent to me sometimes. Yeah. Like, is it because he sees Freddie as part of the company? Is he sympathetic to this man who's like who he is, this good person on the inside is being destroyed by his image when Don is kind of the opposite. He's more image than he is like good inner stuff, at least from his own perspective. What is what? What? What?
2: Well, it seems like Freddy was there before Don. So, maybe it's like some I don't want to go as far as to say like paternal but like I think it would withstand like, you know, scrutiny to logic out that when don started his job freddie maybe not like fully took him under his wing but like freddie was already there freddie i assume stayed in his job as don rose through the ranks and became his boss oh
0: that's an image that like, makes sense i like then- that i mean it's a little sad for freddie but i like that like, he's just a guy who kept his head down and kept doing his job.
1: And you see that a bit with Peggy, right?
2: hmm Because,
1: like, it was, like, the whole, like, basket full of kisses. No one wants just to be one one thing in the basket. Well, yeah, or, like, she like, even like, that was... said,
2: without him, I would still be a secretary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh. I mean,
0: just now that you guys are talking about it like that, there's something about Freddie who's not crazy ambitious, like, Seemingly, everyone else in this office. He's just content in his existence and his life and what he does and doing a good job at it, and yeah, that's it. And, he and that's something. You talk shit about his Dawn wife, d- like yes, Don will <laughs> never have that. That sort <laughs> of like being at peace at where he is, and maybe, maybe that's what. Well, and like I'm Don is pretty
2: him. good at reading people, so I wonder if like Don sees that Freddie's a good dude, and so, mm-hmm. you know, something he will never be. You just said that.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: It's... it's it's, And he's never going to want something from Don that Don can't give him either. I suppose that's something that would draw respect for him. But uh, Roger even says to Don, your loyalty is starting to become a liability.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was interesting.
2: And I was, like, thinking, obviously... Like, what fucking loyalty? The thing that he should be the most loyal to is Betty, his wife, and the mother of his children, and he's the least loyal to her. And it's like, how are you making these choices? What is determining your priorities? I mean, I kind of get it because he decided that, like, businessman was his whole thing, and so he's loyal to, like, the business – uh mm-hmm. but that's even getting that's getting a little personal i mean we just had the whole conversation about that and why that is and so it's like how can you not manage to be loyal to your wife how don how how
0: and he has the audacity to be so judgy about other people too well and he has the audacity to be
2: like bets what do you want okay two things one cease and desist calling me any type of nickname we are fighting sir goodbye <laughs> Point B, you know exactly what I want you to do. I kicked you out this damn house because you couldn't admit what you did. I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to assume I still want you to look me in my face and tell me that you had an affair. Don't ask me what I want. You know damn well.
1: And it's, it's, he thought it would have been blown over. Like, I can't remember if he, when he was talking to, to Roger at the bar when um, we found out that Sally called, called the office and jane rightfully so didn't know how to respond when don would be back from his his business trip like i can't remember who, who don said this to but it's like the like he thought it would blow over but it like it hasn't yet it's just like you just gotta wait this out like so don is good at reading people no but work. like not 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 he has, does he even like nobody like no honestly as well we, no like you know
0: No, he certainly, he knows an idea that he has of her. I'm not even sure it's the same idea, like, thing that Betty is trying to project in the world.
2: Well, and he's being deliberately obtuse. Mm. And it's very frustrating. Oh, poor me. My wife doesn't like me. Like.
0: (laughs) Well, he'd have to give up all that martyrdom if he had to acknowledge the truth and how terrible he is. For someone who is as self-hating as he is, he certainly is pretty pleased with himself
1: speaking of which though the idea of, of specters of the past i would be remiss if i didn't call this out and i don't know where to fit it in later um we had another kind of specter of rachel Macon moment oh yeah jane buys him those shirts and it's yeah. it's in a Macon's bag and i'm like ooh, i get that reference yes <laughs> yes, no rachel yes, Makin, yes i caught um, that as
2: well
1: so i really thought when um
0: When Jane did that, too, I thought she was trying to ingratiate herself and become, like, indispensable to Don. Kind of like, oh, I I take care of you, and I'm your friend. And part of me was just, like, she knows that he's on the outs with his wife. Is she trying to ingratiate, is she trying to become the the next Mrs. Draper?
2: I kind of had that thought a little bit, too. Um, Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Jane later. Because... Before we get into all that, I do want to talk about Don punching uh, Jimmy in the face.
0: I did recognize him at first, but he turned around
2: and I was like, oh, no. And I do not agree with this act of violence. And I also think that Don is the one who is still more wrong than everybody else in this situation, except for maybe Bobby. Um, Yeah. But it was fun to watch him throw that punch. I uh, (laughs) I, I enjoyed it.
0: (laughs) it was a good it was a good punch but
2: <laughs> yeah well and then he says like that's a real archibald whitman maneuver and like i don't have like it's just
0: some hothead drunk that he does yeah
2: i don't have like a lot of thoughts about that but uh i did think it was interesting for him to like share so much yeah. with roger about his like go forward run away like uh, you know, coping mechanisms. Uh, even though Roger takes them too far, but like for that all to come out of his mouth, like on in the same night over the same drinks, in which he like references a Whitman, I thought was like very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. What's
2: going on in your brain today, Don? Got daddy and, issues?
1: Like, oh, totally. <laughs> and and like yeah, just, but even that idea of like he like because he's, he's in his head and he's thinking and he's he's been drinking, obviously, mm-hmm. and, like, he, the, like, the veneer slips where, like, he mentions his dad by name and then when Roger goes, who's that? He's like, oh, just some drunk I used to know, right? But that idea, then, even in that, that kind of conversation after they get kicked out of the, the illegal casino and they're at that other bar and, and they're having this kind of, like, heart-to-heart almost, mm-hmm. that idea about how Don just feels relieved that, like, Betty knows he won't admit it to her. he won't apologize. He's waiting for it to blow over. But like he feels like relieved because he doesn't have like it's that it's this kind of like weight off his back. Well, yeah, Uh I don't feel
2: bad. We heard Don straight up say like I don't feel anything. Like Don is moved by nothing, which doesn't. I was about to say that doesn't feel consistent with his whole character. But we have yeah. heard him say those things a couple times and like relief is still feeling uh, yeah. not one, not a healthy one in this situation. But
0: yeah, uh, was it Roger even asks him, did you fall in love? What? Which now no. we know what he was talking about. And Don's just like, uh, that'd be easier. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, Oh, that's too complicated. At the same time, it's like, is it that complicated or do you just want it to be complicated? I mean it's like no, you were just trying to run away from something, maybe. Trying to run away from who you are. That's it. That's <laughs> that's, that's easy. Yeah. That's easy to understand.
1: Um Listeners, stick a pin in this conversation for future reference. Um but yeah, I think that will be something we will kind of continue to monitor and potentially come back to in the future just have um, a
0: flowchart of Don's personal self-hatred through the years
1: <laughs> Um, I found this whole like deal with the kind of Freddie send-off um, super frustrating I like remembered that and again we'll, we'll get into it here pretty quickly but I remembered that the kind of end of episode reveal with Jane was was coming i remember that that was a thing that existed on Mad Men. i didn't remember it specifically in this episode and i i even remember don unwittingly kind of having a role in it but again didn't remember that i was coming this episode so i'm like going through and I'm, and i'm watching it and i'm like kind of checking all these boxes in the ways that like a lot of <clears throat> excuse me a lot of like cis men are are kind of socialized to to be kind of this this stoic and then you don't really talk about your feelings but then you have a send-off or something and it's even like um not to invoke tarantino too much on this podcast but like there's this line in once upon a time in hollywood where you know it's ostensibly this this buddy movie and it's like oh they're they're gonna you know go out and have this big send-off and get rip-roaring drunk together it's like that's that's such like a like man's man thing right so they're having these kind of like emotional connections through the bridge of of alcohol and drinking cuz that makes it okay to have feelings and talk about this stuff apparently um and seeking out that kind of emotional support and don does kind of open up pulls it back you know that whole push and pull and like roger at first at least seems cuz he starts making overtures without the lick, well It's the Sterling Cooper office, so there still is liquor. Without them being drunk yet (laughs) at the office earlier about the, hey, I've been there, like, let me help you. Like, open up, it's okay, let's talk about it. And you're like, oh, well, Roger's dumb and a bad person. (laughs) But, you know, he's trying to, like, in his own limited way, trying to be a friend. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting. They're talking. And ultimately, even when Don's kind of half-opening up, Roger's not receiving it and roger's thinking about himself and like oh i was going to help you but actually i'm the one who needed advice thanks for me to take all the completely wrong lessons that we want don to learn and roger's gonna like intensify it and that was like hella frustrating end of rant thank you
2: yeah i think that's a fair rant yeah um Especially like we see how shocked Don is about how Roger took this advice he's like, "Are you fucking kidding me like I have not one time ever told you to straight up leave your wife
1: and I don't think and again with like Don's like how he is heralizing his kind of weird seemingly inconsistent you know integrity and, and and loyalty I don't know if that's advice Don would ever give anyone. Right. Like Don's completely clueless as to who Betty is and you know, is totally misreading the situation and definitely, you know, has has his own issues there, but like Don's all about, like, maintaining control in these these little silos, and right now that's, you can't maintain that and it's blown up in his face. That's probably why he feels, like, a little bit relieved about it because that's a lot of work to maintain all these silos and who can I say to what person and, you know, the uh-huh. the toll, again, don't really feel sorry for him, but it does probably take an emotional toll on you, exor- trying to exercise that much control, you know, especially when you, like, stole another person's identity like Principal Skinner did. Um, it's kind of funny how how Don Draper and Principal Skinner have similar backgrounds. Simpsons reference. Um, but, like, because Don wants to control in all those little silos, I don't think he would ever necessarily advise to someone like Roger, you need to blow it up and, you know, leave your wife for my secretary. Like, that just Whoa. seems. Yeah, Don had no
2: idea about Jane, right?
1: Yeah. No, 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 no. Not no, no. At all. And, like, but I mean, we had yeah. no
2: idea about Jane. Even the first time through the episode, I did not make the connection that the secretary in question was Jane.
1: Well, we're supposed to think it's Joan. I definitely
2: thought it was Joan. And then I was like, Roger, you are an idiot. That girl has told you in no uncertain terms. (laughs) Um, I definitely
0: thought that they were trying to set it up like we thought it was going to be Joan. But it didn't seem like Joan would do that. Not in the stage she was in.
2: Yeah. Um, so why does Don fire Joan? Or Jane? Jane, yes. Oh, obviously, yes. Um. Like, is it because she is now going to remind him of this bad thing somebody blames him for?
1: <laughs> Probably. So he's like, get
2: out of my sight. I cannot be reminded of this shame.
1: Right. And and then that's it's like the most daunting because then it's, it's ultimately it's not about like supporting Mona. It's not like, you know, it, it it's about I think you're exactly right. I think it's about the reminder of kind of that shame and that role that he played in it. And mm-hmm. then it's him feeling like he can't trust her because she's already been, you know, making overtures and he feels like knows too much about his home life now and his, yeah. his, uh, his really home situation. You really want to piss
2: off the girl who is the only one who knows that your wife, like, is not allowing you to sleep in the house?
0: <laughs> yeah. At the same time, we have learned that he does not like, like being ambushed. No,
2: he doesn't.
0: So this was a, not a fun surprise. Yeah, it seems like a lot of things here. But, like, he gets to play the the morally superior um, you actually left your wife for a much younger secretary woman with your secret affair after everything.
1: And and again, so, okay, I think we talked about this a bit, like, last season when, like, Roger had the heart attack and had Mirabelle, and I can't remember Mirabelle's sister's name. Apologies. Um, when Roger had the heart attack, when they had the, let's say, over the long weekend, and how Roger was extra terrible so Don looked a little bit better and more sympathetic in contrast. And I feel like we're seeing this pattern again in this episode a little bit, right? I don't know.
2: Oh, I'm playing right into the show's hands with my determination that Roger is the crown king worst.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's been interesting for me. with It's been a journey with Roger so far. And we have, like, lots more seasons. But oh Lord. ever since we... Yeah, right? Um... But since we kind of were, were noodling that, like, last, last season about the function that, that Roger played in, in kind of contrast to Dawn, and when it kind of, like, softens Dawn a bit by contrast, I can't not see that now. <laughs> Whether it was intended or not, I don't know, but it kind of almost seems that way, right? Mm-hmm. Was there anything else we, we wanted to highlight or do we want to move into to bits and bobs?
2: Um I think.
1: No, I think we covered how much Don sucks. Bits and Bobs. Bits bit bit, bit, bit bits and bobs. Uh, just to relate to
0: the story that I told about Marilyn Monroe, uh the elevator operator that I mentioned all also. That's... Man, I really just like blew all this earlier. Um when he he says something, when they were talking about Marilyn Monroe in the elevator, he says, some people just hide in plain sight. And while this death definitely relates to Marilyn Monroe and her whole thing and how she was so good at, you know, performing this role, and you've got this black um, elevator operator, this nice young man who's just making conversation and how, you know, they would cut away from him to just Don and Peggy and she would talk to the side. And sometimes it didn't even feel like this guy was in the conversation that he basically started. Um, so I felt like it was a very applicable thing mm-hmm. to him. Um, and I thought it was interesting he got to have a conversation this time, as well as Carla. We got to see more of her, too. But, I mean, this whole thing really could apply to so many people in the show, can't it? Mm. Betty's got her image and the person who she thinks she is and who she may actually be and may discover who she is. You've got Joan who, you know, in her Marilyn Monroe kind of way is always using, not, as, not always, but she's often using her sex appeal to appear what she needs everyone to think she is so she could succeed. You've got Don, certainly, who is the person that we all know he is, but he has to have this image of integrity and loyalty. but so many people know the truth. I love that line a lot. It's a very simple line, but I thought it was very applicable also friggin competitive blood donor donation drives what 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 was that? <laughs> Who is media that they were all fighting with anyways?
1: So media is Harry's old department, and he's the only one we uh, see from it, right? So they would do the actual like media buys, like in the magazines, or now, now Harry's the head of the two person. that sensibly the other fellow has started now. Um, maybe that's what they were doing in the week that they missed episodes. It was that guy's first day. It's the last episode of Mad Men. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I've been,
0: but, it might be easier for Harry's new department to get 100% participation. now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. But I think they're like part of media, and that's why he's like, oh, the guy doesn't direct me because, you know, he went around this other department we never see. And I guess Mad Men has just decided that that the actual, you know, Part of advertising sales isn't interesting or or sexy enough for us to see it they'll They'll show us the the creative and the accounts and and the art department, but the uh, people who do the media sales are are less entertaining I guess it does According sound to the show madman completely boring
0: yeah I mean I'm not always for uh for trivializing blood donation but I am all for getting people to donate if they are able and willing to because it is very important especially in the now times. Summer's not great for blood drives to begin with. Supplies are often on the lower end uh, as things get warmer but as you can imagine uh, with the the huge significant decrease in blood drives um, at works and schools and just people generally not gathering as they should, not do. Please don't gather, uh, for your sake and sake of others. Uh, blood drives not doing great right now, and things are critical. So if you are capable, please donate blood. Do some something right now. And, it's a nice
2: thing. And on a sillier note, after you donate blood, you can smoke a cigarette and get that good, good Ken Krasgov nicotine high. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ken Cosgrove giving you the real info.
2: What a beautiful fool.
0: <laughs> at some point, when did he become the one we're just like, oh, you dumb idiot. I don't. We love you. I don't know. When we are like, oh, you're being gross
2: now. I mean, he is fully gross. Like, he was super gross at uh, He's... Paul's party.
0: He was downright predatory. Like. In the very first episode.
2: I don't know he's just like so
0: dumb and yeah so I just but now
2: you're like oh, i think you mean well yeah
1: he saw a gold violin once
2: <laughs> i don't know he worked just on me the stories. same time he worked on cell god damn it all right someone oh. teach pete then
0: <laughs> no pete is mostly doing better by comparison
1: to rod do pete.
2: not teach pete anything <laughs> i do not need pete
1: there's been a, at the time of this recording, um, there was a a tweet that has been making the rounds with with kind of some of the Mad Men content aggregating kind of screenshot accounts and stuff that I follow, and it's it's been about end like season seven, like end of Mad Men, um, Pete and kind of like but his his arc over over the show, and I don't know, we'll we'll get there eventually, but Matt has thoughts.
2: I know so that people really do have stick thoughts. With us. I don't wanna give Pete like airtime in my brain before it's necessary.
1: No, <laughs> and that's that's totally fair. That like, I have a whole roster of I problematic
2: don't... white boys <laughs> before we get to Pete. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: right? I just I just don't know if I have this say like I don't know how hot my take is, but I guess I have checks notes, five more seasons of T V before I if you know, if I wanna commit to it or not. <laughs> um yeah no I think I think we did it guys
2: I think we did oh, it oh hold on oh, one more one more bit or oh. bob
0: one more bit of a bob when they're in that underground casino at some point someone mentions the champ and after oh, Jimmy yes. Barrett gets decked and he's like hey Floyd how'd I do and you know held up his hands like he's boxing that was a <laughs> uh, reference yeah. I believe to, <laughs> to Floyd Patterson uh, who is an American professional boxer? He competed from 1952 to 1972. Twice reigned as the heavy, as the world heavyweight champion between 1956 and 1962. And at age of 21, became the youngest boxer in history to win the title, and was also the first heavyweight to regain the title after losing it. So there you go. that's fun. There you go. Cool. history.
1: In an in an earlier version of these notes. I was going to go speaking of sports this whole like Joe DiMaggio thing that I was going to go into based on Hollis's his connection to Marilyn's death being how, how Joe felt and Joe DiMaggio was one of Marilyn Monroe's ex-husbands and they kind of stayed in contact after and after her marriage to um, <clears throat> Arthur Miller broke up they kind of like became closer friends again and yeah I just thought it was it, their interesting because also when marilyn's body went i guess i'm gonna do the whole bit now anyways that's okay when marilyn's <laughs> body because she tragically again as it kind of alluded to in the episodes and you see it in the news clip she was alone when she died so her body went unclaimed for i can't remember how long but it was, it was a while it kind of unclaimed for a little bit at the morgue and it was joe dimaggio who claimed it and paid for her funeral and
0: Aww.
1: Basically, and I, and again, it's, it's all complicated, and I encourage you listeners to kind of look at this more. But my understanding is he kind of barred most people or all people from kind of the Hollywood establishment from entertaining the funeral and didn't let the Kennedys go and like really kind of prevented Marilyn's funeral from being this kind of big spectacle. And yeah, it's uh, they, had a, they had a complicated relationship. So I, I thought that maybe it's interesting when we talked about public grief. Um, and how we all have our reflections and our windows in and I think I can't remember if it's coming up or in the past, but I remember Hollis being a baseball fan. Um, so that was his, his window in, but it's also on the other hand, it was like this woman tragically died and your window in is her ex husband, who I get anyways, it just, it's just it's complicated. That is how some people react to these things. Yeah. Which feels terrible. But I mean we're all people, right? And we all and have our own windows into it and and everything else right and mm-hmm. and we talking to you about feeling like you know her um the comment with, with Joan earlier hollis probably felt feels like he he knows joe dimaggio the same way people feel like they know athletes now and like it's it's the whole thing um i said i wasn't going to go into it i deleted it from the notes and then i went into it But <laughs> hey,
2: plugs where can we find plug, you plug. other than on your couches
0: and other than at work yeah I know Uh, being essential sucks (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter not using either of them very much Um, except showing off my new embroidery quarantine hobby Uh, at pop artery p-o-p-a-r-t-e-r-y you can also find me on my other podcast the daily nightly spelled with a k where we are talking about all things Jane Austen with a lovely friend of ours, Jesse. Uh, Melissa, where can I find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Mellow Yellow, which is M E L L O O Yellow, or you can find me also co hosting the Wild Pretty Things podcast.
1: And Matt, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at MattyQ, M A T T Y H U G H. Um, and you can find us all together on Twitter at, at still great pod on Instagram as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to give us an, give us an email at still great at gmail.com, that'd be great too. I got really excited earlier this week cause we had two emails to that account and they were actually just from Twitter aggregating other people's tweets. <laughs> so. How rude. Some people. Some people's hearts would be like playing the tiniest violin now. Mine plays the gold violin, which (laughs) is even worse because there's no sound. (laughs) It's sad. So sad. This is my ASMR voice. All right, that's enough of that. (laughs) Later
2: days, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Just imagine getting a text from the future. You're like, ah, what's this, a text? What's a text? What's this phone? It's so tiny, it has no wires.